Hello, everyone, and welcome to Consumer Watchdog's Rage for Justice Report, our weekly conversation about the current issues that we're exposing, confronting, and changing. I'm your host, Carmen Balber, Executive Director of Consumer Watchdog, and today, September 17th, is World Patient Safety Day. Uh, the theme of this year's event is Safe Maternal and Newborn Care, uh, a worldwide event uh, at advancing uh, patient safety in healthcare and really focused this year on making sure that women and babies are taken care of. Uh, there couldn't be a more important topic, um, especially for women in this country who experience higher rates of harm and death in childbirth than any other wealthy country. Uh, newborns experience the same thing, higher rates of injury and death um, in uh, both uh, both childbirth and shortly after uh, shortly after birth. And women of color experience the worst of that harm. The rates of maternal death and maternal harm are greater for women of color than any, anyone else in the country. And this day ties, ties directly in to the ballot measure that we've been working on and all of our listeners are familiar with, uh, headed to California's November ballot next year, the Fairness for Injured Patients Act, that would finally update the state's limits uh, on the rights of patients who are harmed uh, during childbirth and other, uh, uh, other health care events. But before we get into the Fairness Act, I want to introduce my guest. Uh, her name is Kimberly Turban, and she became a maternal health advocate after experiencing medical negligence herself and medical battery when she gave birth to her own first child. Uh, thanks for joining me on the podcast today, Kim. Oh, hi. You're welcome. So uh, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to tell us your story. Um, I know that one of the things that we talk about a lot is that a key to safe care is the respect of your doctor. And Kimberly, I feel like a lot of your story revolves around the fact that, you know, when you went uh, to give birth to your son, you were disrespected, you were ignored, uh, you were silenced in the process, uh, in the childbirth process. So maybe you can just start out um, by telling us your story, telling us what happened and, and how you were harmed. Okay, so um, I was pregnant and had a baby and uh, I had a baby May uh, 2013. And right before I was pregnant, I decided to you know Google birth videos, uh, check YouTube, you know, like do a little bit of online, um, take a look at how the process may go and how to advocate for myself. Uh, I ran into the movie, The Business of Being Born. So I kind of uh, researched a little bit about Pitocin, what you can say no to, what you can't say no to, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, anyways, I went to give birth and uh, it was pretty simple. I never met my OB because I didn't have any bad symptoms of pregnancy, I guess you would say. I wasn't sick. I didn't throw up. Uh, I felt pretty much fine. Nothing was wrong with me. So I only saw nurses or nurse practitioners. Uh, I met the OB the day before, and then I gave birth the next day. Um, he didn't really make eye contact with me. I asked a question like, oh, what if I would need a C-section? Uh, things like that. He kind of looked at me crazy, and I was like, okay, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> so, um, you know, the next day I go into labor, and I just warn everybody, look, whatever you do, I have PTSD. Just tell me what you're doing before you do it. Do not touch me without telling me what you're doing because I will freak out. I said, I don't have an issue with pain. I just need to know what you're doing. And everybody was pretty much on board. Um, but then the doctor 
pretty much came in with scissors in his hands. He took one look at me and said, um, you need an episiotomy. I'm going to cut you. And I said, well, why? You know, we haven't even tried pushing. And you, he came in with scissors in his hand, like ready to cut me before like eye contact or anything. Um, so we're going back and forth. I said, no, please don't cut me. I was really scared. I don't know if my body already was throwing signs. And, um, you know, the uh, nurse, she seemed kind of scared of him. She was around my age, which was 27 at the time. And this doctor was already like in his 70s. Um, so there was a huge culture of like, he's in control of everything in the room. We're just there, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, he pretty much tells me in the video, shut up. If you don't like it, go have the baby on the floor or go have it in Kentucky. And I'm having a contraction so I can't respond. And he starts cutting me. And he cut me 12 times all the way down to my butt. Unbelievable. And then... Yeah, my baby seemed to have something maybe called shoulder dystocia. I don't know. He may have been a little bit tucked in my pelvic area. And, you know, the doctor got him out or whatever. Um, I was so in shock. I couldn't cry. I was pissed off at everybody in the room, uh, especially my mother. She told the doctor, uh, don't respect her. Cut her. Don't listen to her. I'm her mother. Cut her. Do whatever I say. (laughs) Like. My mother's from South America. She's from El Salvador. So they don't really question doctors, I guess. So, you know, she just didn't think he was going to do that. After he did that, she did seem a little bit shocked. So, um, and then the next day, yeah, everybody in the room was like, what the heck? And then we were recording with an iPhone 5 at the time. And he said, basically, turn off your effing camera or we're going to throw it out the effing window. In my head, I was like, oh, well, too late. (laughs) We had already caught everything on video, which was allowed at the time. I don't know what it is now. Um, And then the next day, we have the lady that comes in, and she was like, what happened yesterday? And I explained to her that I was traumatized, and I was like, what the heck? He cut me so much. And she basically tossed a pamphlet at me, told me to stop talking and to go with the pamphlet that she gave me. And I was like, okay. And then the survey that the hospital gives you is stupid questions like, how was the food? (laughs) Did you have a blanket? Like, I was totally assaulted. And so he just left me completely in shock. And um, a couple days later, you know, I was trying to breastfeed. I was in a lot of pain. And I had asked him for pain meds. And he was like, no, you're not getting anything because you're um, breastfeeding. I was like, I'm in a lot of pain. I'm still in pain today, like eight years later. I have all types of like nerve damage down there. Um, So that's what it is. Well, it's just, it's such a horrific story. And it just brings to mind um, too many other stories I've heard of women who were just completely dismissed and ignored um, during the birthing process. And it doesn't always end up quite this badly, but this doctor really sounded, sounds pretty out of control. I so sorry you had to go through that. Yeah, he was pretty evil. Um, and then I wanted to read my chart. So one day I was carrying my baby with the baby Bajorn on my chest. And I decided to go into the hospital and retrieve my medical records just out of curiosity. And there were like, I read my medical records and I was like, this isn't me. He confused my chart with somebody else's, with the lady that's baby had died. 
And he said in his notes that he wrapped the baby and gave the baby that passed away to his parents and that they left the hospital psychologically okay in his notes. And I told the medical lady, I said, I didn't leave the hospital psychologically okay. And I, my baby's born. I was like, These, this isn't me. You didn't even so get your records me, right. Yeah. So they made me file an adenum and then um, they gave me the right records. And in his records, he just wrote that he did the surgery. I didn't want it. I didn't need it. But that he did it to me anyway and that he did a good job. Wow. So I know, um, you know, part of the reason we ended up uh, connecting through my colleague Michelle is that um, we've got this measure on the ballot that addresses the cap on compensation medical negligence cases. Um, and that especially affects women in childbirth because so many childbirth-related injuries, especially like what you're talking about, the, the pain that is continuing eight years later, is what they call non-economic damage. It's you're not paying medical bills specifically because of that, but you're injured, if not permanently, for an extremely long time. And that's the kind of injury that uh, compensation is capped for under this law. So women are really disadvantaged uh, by this cap that limits access to the courtroom. And I know you ran into the same problem when you went to see if you could find an attorney to uh, get some accountability in your case. I did. Due to this cap and how harmful it is, 80 lawyers told me no. 80 lawyers. Huge, oh, my God. I had a huge team working with me. And they said, because you have a healthy baby, you know, there's not much that we can do. And like you said, with those damages, there's physically when a doctor looks at me or does a test on me, I look fine. I'll look fine on a piece of paper. I'll look crazy because I'm in pain, but there's no test that says, oh, Kimberly's in pain. You know, mm -hmm. there's no actual test for my condition. They just, there's like no evidence, I guess, in the doctor terms. Um, but because of that cap and how harmful it is, like I said, I had 80 lawyers tell me that they couldn't take my case. Um, because I wanted to prove my point to the doctor that he harmed me, I, I did end up um, suing him without a lawyer because I had raised some money through campaigning online. And I sued him anyway. I sued him for assault and battery. And if I um, understand it correctly, you were ultimately able to connect with a women's organization that helped you out on that front? Yes, the organization was improvingbirth.org. That's great. But but really illustrates um, the uh, outrageousness of this law that you literally had video evidence of the mm -hmm. assault this guy perpetrated on you and ongoing chronic pain and yet 80 lawyers told you, no, I can't take this case because this cap, and the reason, of course, I don't know how many of them explained this to you and how many didn't, but the reason, of course, is that this cap makes a case like this economically unfeasible because it costs as much to bring the case to court as you can ever hope to collect from it, which means basically a lawyer is working for, you know, years uh, for peanuts. Yep. Yep, because the baby's, yeah. Yeah, unless somebody passed, even if somebody passes away, you still, you don't really come out of it. Yeah. And then um, it's not only the cap, it also deals with uh, the hospital. I did end up meeting with the hospital and they're like, well, you could go sue him and then just file a complaint against the medical board of California. And, you know, at the beginning, when you're not familiar with the medical board, you think they work for you or they're helpful towards you, which turned out to be a huge 
huge disadvantage because nothing ended up happening. All you do is file your complaint and it sits on a million complaints that they don't even get to, or the person just gets a form of probation. And um, going back to when I went to receive my medical records, um, he was suspended from the hospital that had nothing to do with me and where I met him through the clinic that I was seeing him at. So he was just being evil all over the place. And he was just medical board didn't do anything. Only person that did anything towards him in the medical board was me. And then he ended up surrendering his license. So the medical board never did anything. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a story of how the lack of access to the courts and then the medical board's failure to act in a timely manner on these doctors who perform outrageous acts repeatedly, um, you know, means worse healthcare for all of us because those doctors who harm people stay in practice, stay in hospitals, stay on the street. I mean, as you said, this guy was 70 plus years old. You were not the first person he did this to, yet he was still there uh, to harm you after so many years. Mm-hmm. And then harm people after me. Yeah. Now, um, I, to end this on a, uh, on a more positive note, um, I know that you recently had a new baby girl. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, but you had um, some similar difficulty being heard by your doctor, I understand. Yes. I, um, my doctor was very nice to me. Um, I got lucky with him. Um, but I did feel like I had to train him in believing me. <laughs> right. Like I said, with doctors, they can't take a test. It doesn't exist. Um, that's been my experience. I can't speak for, for everybody. But I had explained to him that I have a lot of pain down there. And he would say, well, it's just pregnant pains. And I'm like, no, doctor, my, my you know, my private area hurts and, and uh, my behind hurts really bad. It has nothing to do with the pregnancy. It was like this before. It's going to be like this after. It's, I'm like this forever. And uh, I explained to him what happened with me and my first birth. And so then um, it just took him about six to seven months for me to break down and cry again and be like, you have to prescribe me something. I'm in a lot of pain. So he gave me um, some lidocaine cream and then some medication to help me, and which it did help me a little bit. And then he also um, afterwards, because I had told him for six to eight months, he would not believe me. He would just send me on his way. I would leave his office crying. And then he finally referred me to another doctor and um, she helped me and then got me a referral for pelvic floor therapy after I had the baby. So he just passed it on to, to somebody else in a way, not in a mean way, but he, you know, he still didn't like believe me when I said I needed pelvic floor therapy, but this doctor, she kind of was like, okay, I don't know why he sent you to me, but let me research what you have. And let me come up with the solution, which she did. It's a reminder to everyone listening, and especially for for Patient Safety Day, that if you're not getting the answers or responses from the doctor you have, you have options. Try to find someone who will listen to you. And I, I mean, I, I know that when you're um, when you're in the middle of a medical situation, whether it's a joyous one or not, it's it's hard to spend all of your time advocating for yourself, but sometimes that's what you have to do if you are gonna get the care that you need. So I'm really glad that you found another doctor that listened. Yeah. Yeah, I got I got lucky, only got lucky because 
you know, she could have said the same thing and I would have been in the same boat. Well, do you have any advice for folks um, who are experiencing the similar kind of uh, uh, lack of uh, listening uh, that you experienced? I would say don't be fearful or shy or ashamed to fire your doctor and just say no thank you and leave. Because the doctor I had before him, I explained to him I had a really bad episiotomy and he looked me in the eye and said, if you need an episiotomy, I'm doing it. And I said, thank you for your time. And I walked out. That was it. Good for they you. will tell you who they are right then and there. Good for you. Good for you. So, so just believe it. Well, um, we can end on that. Thanks so much for sharing your story, Kim. It can't be easy, but I think that um, it really brings to light a lot of issues that a lot of mothers face, especially women of color. So really important story to tell. Thanks so much. Oh, you're welcome. Absolutely. And, and of course, for everything you do to advocate uh, for safer maternal care. Um, thanks, everyone, uh, for listening to the podcast. Uh, for those who want to learn, learn more, you can actually watch a video with Kim's story at our website, consumerwatchdog.org backslash injured patients. You can scroll through our gallery of uh, families' stories who are fighting for change and find uh, Kimberly's story there. And more about, of course, the cap on compensation and the November 2022 Fairness Act to finally update the law uh, that limits the rights uh, of women like, like Kimberly. Um, also, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Carmen Balber, and this has been the Rage for Justice Report.